นโมทัสสะภะวะโตอะระหะสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะวะโตอะระหะสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะวะโตอะระหะสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสสะเราไม่ต้องการให้คนอื่นพูดถึงเราเราไม่ต้องการให้คนอื่นพูดถึงเราเราไม่ต้องการให้คนอื่นพูดถึงเราเราไม่ต้องการให้คนอื่นพูดถ
some subject and just really consciously listening to other people, but also listening inwardly. Also listening inwardly, mm-hmm. quietly, intentionally. And the difference between mental proliferation, which is painful, and contemplation, which can conduce with equanimity and clarity, the difference is, can we stop and start the thinking? Compulsive thinking, proliferation, or the Buddha called prapancha, just goes on and on and on and on with thought, that thought jumping from this subject to that subject, and that's painful, tedious. And, but contemplation is yes, we're using the faculty of thinking in a more disciplined way, uh, certainly more skillful way, uh, using thinking, but also appreciating that the space around the thoughts, what is it in which these thoughts are arising and ceasing? One of the benefits of meditation practice is to become aware of the awareness itself. Speaking metaphorically, the space that this activity is taking place in. So if we have some perspective on that, then there's a chance we'll be able to use our thinking picking up these themes and contemplating. For instance, uh, like also not just having to have an opinion about everything, but also it struck me recently listening to somebody, well, in fact, it happens not really. I I, I hear people talking about how I just don't know what we're going to do about this, like they're talking about the chaos of the world, um, all the craziness that's happening. I just can't see how we're going to fix it. I just don't know what we're going to do about it. And and uh, this is not an equanimous, uh, dispassionate observation of the fact that they don't know. And I'm wringing their hands and furrowed brow, and I just can't see what we're almost with a sense of guilt that they personally can't fix the craziness of the world. Well, where's that coming from? Well, if we have some skill in contemplation, if we have some perspective on the potential quietude of mind, and then we can allow thoughts to arise, we can question with feeling. Why would it be that everybody's is so anxious about uncertainty. Of course, there's loads of things that we don't know about. Maybe even most things we don't know about. Like, (laughs) we don't even know how long we're going to live. That's a big deal. One of the most important things we don't know. Another important thing, like consciousness. What is consciousness? For all the amazing ways that science has contributed to increase in human well-being... Most scientists, I expect, would admit that they don't have a clue what consciousness is, but consciousness is profoundly important. Mm. There's loads of stuff that we just don't know. Mm. And yet often it's the case, it seems to me, in listening to the way people talk, that that not knowing is a problem. Mm. So this is a, a useful theme to pick up and contemplate. Why 
would we make not knowing a problem when there's so much of life we don't know about? Why would we do that? Well, again, the appreciating how useful it is to develop our minds so as to skillfully pick up a theme and ponder on it. Remembering the space in which those thoughts and feelings and sensations and emotional reactions are passing through, not getting lost in emotional reactions, contemplate not knowing and contemplate our own mortality, it can trigger a very deep reaction of anxiety. Are we prepared for that? Do we have the skill to turn to our frame of reference? Have we got a frame of reference, like, for instance, the Buddha's encouragement of cultivating mindfulness of the body? If we invest in generating mindfulness of body, really being mindful of the the body, mindful of the sensation of the body sitting upright, mindful of the temperature, the air on the skin, mindful of the breathing. We have a frame of reference born out of mindfulness of body, and then strong emotions, strong reactions might get triggered and there's a chance that we won't get drawn into them in the same way. Mm. So this topic that I find worth pondering on, why do so many people make not knowing and uncertainty into a problem when there's so much of life that is clearly uncertain. From the time we're born until the time we die, there's so much we just don't know. So why is not knowing a problem? We can ponder on that. Well, we can ponder on it in terms of our own life experience, but also, fortunately, wonderfully, gratefully, we have the Buddha's teachings. We have the wisdom from the Buddha. Because he also pondered these things. Not just how do we make a problem out of not knowing, but how do we create problems? Where does suffering come from? Well, this is the Buddha's answer to this particular issue. Why do we create problems out of not knowing? Why do we create turmoil and chaos out of uncertainty? Well, the Buddha's insight into that question is that it's clinging. The Four Noble Truths that we've all, I'm sure we're all familiar with. There is suffering. First Noble Truth. There is a cause to suffering. What is the cause of suffering? Unawareness with regards to the nature of wanting. It's not wanting. Wanting itself is not the problem. The Buddha, even after his enlightenment, he still wanted things. He wanted to help people and He didn't want people to misunderstand. He didn't want people to suffer. and He wanted to lie down and have a rest. Wanting is not the problem. Wanting, you can consider wanting as like, again, as a metaphor, wanting is like fire. Thank goodness we got fire. It would be very difficult to live in Northumberland if we didn't have fire. Fire is great so long as it's in the stove. As we would all know, by this stage of life, uh, you don't put your hand in the stove. You don't put the hand on the stove if it's lit. You certainly don't put your hand in the stove. 
if it's dead. But if you do and you suffer the painful consequences, well, <laughs> who's, who's responsible for that? It's not fire. It's not fire that's responsible. It's our understanding and our relationship with fire. Primarily, essentially, it's our understanding, our perception, and then our activity is informed by that. And so, If we don't understand wanting, which is the normal case for most of us, most of the time, then we cling to it. This movement, which looks like one thing, when we cling to it, we create imbalance. Our whole being builds up stress. Because wanting is movement, and when you cling to something that's moving, then you're in a state of stress. And the Buddha's solution is uh, using the training, the discipline of attention, to study that movement that we call wanting, and that which is studying it, that which is watching it, that which is activated when we get interested in it, when we get interested in this topic, instead of just getting pulled into the wanting, there's a chance that you can be aware of that movement. And already in that moment there's a bit of freedom. Like being able to reflect, for instance, being able to reflect on the movement of our thoughts. Often it's a great, wonderful insight when people hear this teaching and they realise that actually you don't have to be caught up in your thoughts. You can reflect on your thoughts You can listen to the silence, the silence in which those thoughts are arising and ceasing. So you don't have to be defined by the thoughts. You can contemplate the thoughts. And likewise with desire, we can contemplate desire, contemplate wanting. And with regard to this turning not knowing into a problem, what's happening there? Well... When we feel certain and confident, the good feelings that arise with that, if we get lost in those good feelings, if we cling to them, what happens? We develop a habit of identifying as feeling. And so when things change and we're feeling uncertain, then we can't help but cling to not-so-good feelings. The good feelings look nice and attractive and so we cling to those and and have a good time. But then when conditions change and if it's uncertainty we're faced with and the not-so-good feelings that arise in association with uncertainty, then we can't help but cling to that. Mm. So understanding this theoretically is not immediately going to change it, but at least it helps us maybe begin to get a handle on it. These Four Noble Truths that the Buddha gave are not something to believe in. They're something to help us get a handle on the struggle of life. Why do I suffer so much? I'm not that bad a person. behave myself reasonably well, and yet still, life can be really hard work. Well, the habits of clinging can be very deep and very subtle. And so we get interested in these habits of clinging. We study these habits of clinging. If we cling to good feelings, we're going to cling to not so good feelings. And therein lies the struggle of life. 
we cling to liking and follow liking. You know, some things in life are just obviously likable, like the feeling of spring in the air at the moment is so likable. Well, we can actually reflect on that and contemplate you know, the good feeling. It feels like this. But awareness, knowingness, and that which is known, that of which we are aware, are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're connected. It's, you know, it's like clouds are part of the sky, but clouds are not the whole thing. Clouds come and go. They pass through the sky. They pass across the sky. There's the space. Whether there's clouds in it or not, the clouds come and go through that space. Mm-hmm. So the awareness that the Buddha is encouraging us to cultivate... It's not a thing that we're wanting to grasp at, but to listen to these teachings and then, by way of experiment, allow ourselves to sink back into it, just with the suggestion of just just be aware, just know, just awareness, simple awareness. Not my awareness, just simple awareness. And then we can start to see where and how and when it is that we throw ourselves out of balance. Certainty, somebody praises us and we feel confident and we feel sure about ourselves and there's really nice good feelings arise in association with that. Well, there's a, if we've got a frame of reference, we've got some perspective on that, we've got some mindfulness on that, we can feel those good feelings, no problem. But then when they change and somebody hurls an insult at us and there's some not good feelings, well then maybe there's a possibility we don't have to get lost in those not good feelings. And certainty and uncertainty become an object for investigation. A modicum of equanimity maybe begins to emerge in the mind. We're not taking sides for certainty and against uncertainty. We understand that certainty and uncertainty are part of this package that we call life. And, and like good feelings and painful feelings, the part of this package. Now, it's uh, important that we pay attention to why the Buddha didn't hold up good feelings like happiness as the goal. He held up wisdom as the goal. Wisdom is what sees that clinging to happiness and unhappiness creates problems. Clinging to feelings of certainty and uncertainty creates problems. Wisdom is able to recognise that. It's perfectly understandable that we have a preference for good feelings, obviously. It's um, very attractive to feel comfortable in the body and have a pleasant, agreeable company of good friends nice weather that is preferable however one of life's great lessons maybe the greatest lesson is that we need to be able to feel good without becoming lost in it so that when we don't feel so good we don't get lost in that and there's no other solution that presence of attention we call mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And then the wise reflection 
that's able to engage with the predicament we find ourselves in. Where is the actual cause of the struggle that I feel caught up in? Preferring certainty over uncertainty. To engage that question with directed thought and not make the mistake of thinking that only when I'm happy am I together. Sometimes it's the case that in the spiritual world, and certainly in the Buddhist world anyway, people sometimes mistake good feelings for an indication that they're progressing in practice. And one of the dangers of the samadhi side of practice that the mind can feed its tendency to get lost in preference. Obviously, feeling peaceful and calm, even relatively speaking, is preferable to chaos and confusion. However, attaching to that good feeling, and then when conditions change, like we're faced with uncertainty, if we've attached to the good feelings of that arise with clarity and calm and contentment, then we're going to have difficulty to get interested in and look at the real cause of the suffering that arises when we're faced with not good feelings. We're going to be disinclined. So this is the message, this is the lesson, this is the challenge that all of us have in this life is how to feel what we feel when we feel good without getting lost in it. So that when we are feeling not so good, there's a chance we won't get lost in that. We won't create a problem out of it. When we create a problem out of it, well, that's when the mind gets goes into proliferating and projecting and blaming. And, and that's a very sad predicament. Mm. Recently, uh, a friend uh, was telling me how they'd been called into the hospital to have their heart tested. He had a heart condition. Actually, he ended up going on and having several stents put in his heart and a few other little manipulations to make it last longer. And at the first stage, uh, early stage of investigation, they they did what they call a stress test. Some of you might be familiar with this. Uh, the clinicians wire you up to the various machines and then put you under pressure and stress test the the heart to see what condition it's in and then they can get their reading and that helps them correct the imbalances how to address whatever's needed and and the weaknesses of the the heart organ. Well, if we're talking about the spiritual heart or awareness itself, consciousness, reality stress tests us every time we're confronted with uncertainty. Every time we're confronted with, I don't know how to handle this, I don't know if I can handle this, I don't know if anybody can handle this, I don't know. And we can choose to resist that reality and react and, as I was saying, get pulled into habits of proliferation and blaming and struggling. Or... If when reality stress tests our spiritual heart, what shows up is our unawareness, we can get interested in how to correct that. 
there is something we can do about that. As I was saying before about, like, for instance, developing the frame of reference in the body. And this is what the meditation techniques of mindfulness of breathing potentially equips us with that skill to be able to step back and see things with a bit more perspective. Or listening to the sound of silence, which can be a wonderful, skillful way of listening to the totally crazy thoughts passing through our head, but not get so lost in them. So when we're under pressure, it's, uh, I would suggest that it's an opportunity to check to see, you know, just to consider it as reality giving our spiritual heart a, a stress test. How do we handle it? And the degree to which it shows up on awareness, then we have the opportunity saying to we could criticize ourselves for not being more developed in, in Buddhism or the spiritual life or in life in general, or we could remember there's always something we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Equanimity is not not feeling. Mm-hmm. Equipoise, the really nice word. Balance, the disposition, a balanced disposition. This is worthy of attention. We can invest our attention in making ourselves more happy, or we can look at the unhappiness and then consider this along the lines that I've been suggesting this evening. Say, why can't I let go of this unpleasant feeling? I certainly don't like it. Hanging on to it's not helping me or helping anybody else. Well, maybe we just feed in the suggestion, well, maybe the momentum of clinging to good feelings is what's conditioned this painful habit of clinging to not good feelings. If we see that feelings are like, they're like the front and the back of the hand. Good feelings, not good feelings. You can't lift up the back of the hand without lifting up the front of the hand. They go together. If we cling to good feelings, then we cling to not good feelings. And because we forget ourselves when we are having good feelings, we build up this momentum, we build up this habit. And just that much, actually, just that much, just that much information means that when we're caught in painful feelings, when we're confronted with uncertainty, and we really want to let go, well, we can be patient with ourselves. There can be, as I said, there can be the beginnings of equanimity. Mm-hmm. And patient endurance and equanimity are good friends. Mm-hmm. We can't force equanimity, but we can trust that it's a virtue that human beings can cultivate, a balanced perspective on reality. And then when we don't have a balanced perspective on reality, when we're caught up in reacting and proliferating and blaming and getting lost, well, we can consider, well, there's this momentum. It's like, like an ocean liner, as I'm sure we've all heard. You, know, you can't stop an ocean liner. 
It's got the momentum, and likewise the momentum of our habits of clinging can take a very, very long time to slow down. Even though at times in you know, on this spiritual journey there can be periods of opening and clarity and confidence and even insight, it can take a very long time, a very long time to integrate those insights into all aspects of our being. Again, it's not just a belief system. This is a process of transformation. And this process of transformation is supported by, is dependent upon the degree of skill that we apply. So the skill in mindfulness, the skill in wise reflection. So if we have some perspective on this, then even when we are confronted with chaos, then there can be the confidence, there can be the faith, there can be the trust that well-being, clarity even, can emerge out of this chaos. We don't have to be victims to it. Thank you very much this evening for your attention. Mayang dama awara jata sadukarang dadama se